Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Excited to talk to you. I, I love talking to other podcast hosts. What's the theme of your podcast? The name is State of the Creators. Um, so it's, it's a bit of play with words. It took me ages to come up with the name because every, everyone has a podcast now and every name is taken. But I just wanted to just highlight, you know, the creative individuals and the process and what they go through to create something essentially. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's everything around uh, different genres of creativity as well as just creating something really so if, you, if you've created a startup or even like Boni for example in your case um, you would technically qualify for for the, the whole concept so yeah what do you yeah you're right there are so many podcasts now it's kind of like what blogs were like in maybe yes. the early 2000s there's so many blogs but I don't think I, I think I saw a number recently and there aren't as many so it's still a small number of podcasts, but it's smaller than, you know, blogs, obviously. But yeah, it's kind of mm. like everybody, it's so easy to start a podcast now Absolutely. that, that, you know, everybody's gotten into it, but you know, it's, uh, it's fun and it's so passive too. And that's, I think one difference between podcasts and a blog is that in order for you to read a blog, you kind yeah. of have to be active. Meaning yes. You have to yes, read 100%. it. Uh, you have to find a, sort of a method to read it but you have to be actively read it but i think podcast it's it can be a passive activity you know you can do it while you're walking while you're you know yeah. showering you, I mean, cooking, people have chores. exactly so that, that's why i feel like that's why i feel like the meeting of podcast is more um superior because they can just do it as a you know as a passive as a passive activity 100% I think it's also to create you know, as a podcaster to, or someone else who wants to create a brand around something it's more um, it, I guess it's more intimate so it also creates that one-on-one -on -one connection with your audience because you're literally in their heads and um, I feel it, it's a much more uh, the thing is it, it, you won't get that virality out of it but the five or ten connections that you get through it will always be more meaningful than five hundred thousand views which mean nothing on on, on something on some, some random place so so yeah i actually enjoy um doing and listening to to podcasts that's interesting yeah because yeah there's no viral element to podcasts that's very true no. that's very yeah. true but then again, Joe Rogan's podcast, the audio clips don't go viral. It's the videos that go viral and then the topics or, you know, are probably very trendy at the time that go viral. So, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting medium that's just only blowing up thanks to the, you know, uh, barrier to entry being so low. Do you do video as well? Yes, I do. Actually, I do only because I feel it adds to the viewership and you know a connection for my audience specifically because i started off interviewing people in bangladesh so bangladesh the concept of podcasts is still very 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 um new in the sense that not in the sense of people don't know what it is but in terms of how many podcasts podcasters there are uh, and also how many listeners there are um it's very fresh still in terms of video so i thought adding the video capability will actually introduce the concept of podcast to a lot more people um, but i also ensured that the audio is there as well because you know the podcast is essentially an audio first 
medium um, before anything else. Yeah, I would think podcasts uh, would be um, would be popular in Bangladesh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right; I looked into it, and they're not because you know, for, and our video needs more bandwidth, right? And podcasts, I mean, you could basically just download it to your phone. It doesn't require a lot of space or bandwidth to listen nope. to. So I would, I would think that you know, exactly. podcasts would have would have taken off, um, but you know, as opposed to video, because you know. Hundred percent, and and that's why radio shows are so popular in Bangladesh. So radio shows and so audio formats are still very popular in Bangladesh, uh, especially if you think uh, you know the whole class of people who travel via buses or trains would get stuck in traffic for hours exactly. and hours. Um, exactly, that's where the radio shows are very popular in comparison to videos. Um, but the concept that you know you could have an unfiltered, unedited, raw conversation with someone for an hour because you know right now we're having pretty much a conversation or well, even if it's an, or an interview, it's a conversation. But that whole concept of even narrative podcasts, which is big and you know everywhere else, um, uh, that's still far from you know, being labeled as a podcast. It's still uh, very much popular in the radio scheme of things. So, yeah, I think there's a mm-hmm. shift. There will be a shift. I don't know if it will be a mass level shift, though, but there is, you know, more and more viewers and listeners and even podcast creators um, over the last six months, easily. Really? Well, I'd, I'd love to actually learn more about that. I, you grew up in Bangladesh or did you grow up in Australia? I did grow up in Bangladesh, so I was in, you know, I was born in Bray in Dhaka, um, DSU present pretty much. Uh, then I moved to Perth, Australia, um, around 2008-ish. Um, okay. so yeah, pretty much in my, um, late teens, uh, mid to late teens is when I moved to Australia. How was that like? How was that adjusting to Australian life? It's interesting, you know, like I am at a point where I think my home is in Australia. It's interesting because earlier days after I moved in, this is something I, I you know, I keep thinking about a fair bit when I moved to um, Australia from Bangladesh. Early days, I was sure that, you know, Bangladesh is my um, home. Like Dhaka is, is where I'm from. Um, my friends, family, everything's there. It's still, it's still mostly there, but I would always go back to thinking home is Dhaka. But somewhere over the last 10 years, 10 plus years, there has been a little like slow slide. It just went towards the point where I don't know where home is anymore. And, you know, that's something I, I believe a lot of the people who, who've migrated away um, from, um, and even in the whole diaspora as well, um, struggle with, you know, like, like who am I? And, and essentially that move, you know, that moving away from Dhaka to a different country, um, altogether has really raised a lot of questions about my existence um, from a cultural level. And, you know, I think about it often. Um, I still don't know the answer, to be fair. If I, you know, like if someone says, where's home, I'd probably still, I'll, I'll probably just start saying it's in Australia now, but a part of me, you know, still, still is conflicted. So I went through a very philosophical answer to a very simple question. And I do a fair bit of that. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> No, I think I think you summed it up perfectly. I think a lot of us feel that way, and I, you know, I I would imagine, and it's not specific to Australia. What you just said, it's it, you know, 100%. represents this like dual identity that we have, which is interesting because a lot of us, you've probably spent maybe fifty percent of your life in Bangladesh, fifty percent of your life here, but there's some of us that have spent even mm. um, a greater percentage of our life away from Bangladesh. Yet we still have that 
like dual identity, hey. um, you know, question. So, so I think it's Absolutely. really interesting because I don't even know if we're a hundred percent home here in New York. Like it's, yes. even though there's so many New York, so many Bengalis here and all my friends are here. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it, it's, it needs to be philosophical because it's not an easy, it's not yeah. an easy there's um there's actually this quote um and i don't know if i can say it uh, if i'll be saying it correctly but something around too foreign for my home and too home for the foreign land mm. or something like that um and that just summed it up really well about what i have been feeling over the last five six years and this has only been five six years like towards the latter half of the time i've spent away um from home and it's funny because there was actually this one incident where i went back you know in bangladesh, to bangladesh for for a trip and um this was after four or five years after moving up to australia and i was in dhaka right and i was speaking with my friends and we were crossing the street and essentially you know like i was a little bit hes- um, hesitating uh as to because i'm over 12 months or so of you know i've uh, forgotten how to cross not entirely forgotten but you see you get used to you know your body muscles and everything get used to a new lifestyle where you don't really day walk and stuff like that also often and you've got all these speeding cars and stuff. and i was hesitating and my friends were like oh what like you can't cross the street anymore and stuff you know, they're <laughs> pulling my leg and i was like you know what back home we and and then i stopped like mid-sentence and i'm like i'm in dhaka and i'm saying back home we wow and and I literally stopped me and I was like, holy shit, that just came out naturally. And my friends were just like, oh man, you just better pack your bags and get out the hell out of here. And they were just pulling my <laughs> leg and full of banter. But yeah. that was a moment of epiphany for me where, you know, that kind of threw me into this well of questioning myself and wow. my identity. So, yeah. I find that fascinating. I mean, my, you know, my dad said the same thing, you know, when we first went back and, you know, he saw we talk about Bangladesh, but when we went back, he was like, wow, this is not the, and then he was like, oh, this is not the Bangladesh that I left. You know, we, mm. you know, when we left in 1990 and then we went back in, I think, in 2007 and 100%. he was just like, this is not the Bangladesh I left either. Like, so he couldn't do That's anything. Thing, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't do anything either himself. He needed help to get everything done. And I was like, but you lived here for the first 30 years or 25 years of your life. So how do you, you know? And also the different. thing, I think, I think the people and the, the culture, the voices, like all that plays a role as to where, you, where or what you can call home. And if you know a lot of my friends have moved away as well and you know it's it's i'm i'm a very nostalgic person in general so for me attachment to those earlier memories you know is the tree in the front yard and the mm. ice cream cellar the across the street or you know like when those things start fading away your concept of home also fades away with it so yeah. i think that's what happened with your father and and probably millions of people around the world as yeah. well Absolutely. The part of Australia you live in, is there a lot of Bengali people there? Uh, not as much as, you know, other major cities around the world, but there is a fair, um, you know, it's, it's, it's enough to have a working community, for sure. I know for a fact that in Sydney and Melbourne, which is on the eastern side of Australia, and I'm pretty much on the very west side, where so much so that only it's only two hours time difference to Bangladesh, which is very interesting. Uh, many people wouldn't think so. But yeah, we're just only two hours ahead of, of, of Dhaka. And here the community is very, let's just say it's, it's, it, it exists, but not as much as say in, in Sydney, where there's like maybe four or five different big communities. Here's just this one massive um, community with obviously smaller circles and stuff like that. Do you have a sense of the history of the Bang- uh, Bengali immigration to Australia? 
Like when did it? When did Bengali start go first start going to Australia? Oh uh, no, actually, and, and that's why it's interesting. And you know, I know you, you and I, we were working on a, a project for Boney together, um, and that's mm-hmm. where we brought up the, this thing um, about New York and the history of Bangladesh moving to New York. Yeah. And I personally think that the stronghold of of history and tradition and culture in places like New York and uh, Brooklyn in the UK um, are a lot more um, vivid and concrete compared to um, at least in Perth, where I'm, where I'm living right now. Um, Sydney, Melbourne, not so much. Um, but I know you know, Sydney's got a few city, a few suburbs which are entirely Bangladeshi strongholds. Um, they probably would have have history, but not so much compared. I mean, here not so much compared to those those areas, um, or at least not that I'm aware of. So you're also working on so many other creative projects. You talked about the project you were working with us. Um, what else are you working? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, that's an interesting question. I think I'm at that part of my career where um, I'm trying to learn to say say no, um, but I haven't been able to. The thing is, I think I've got the shiny ball syndrome. Uh, I don't know if that term exists, but anything creative or exciting I see, you know, on my way, um, I lose focus, and that's really bad for your know, long term vision. But I tend to pick a project up, and I, I'll try to try to do that stuff. So right now, probably in the middle of maybe four or five um, things. Um, obviously, my main um, day job or, or career um, is that you know, I'm a marketing consultant. So I consult for very small to medium-sized businesses uh, based in Perth, but also work with startups. And that's something I've been working with you know, in Bangladesh as well. Um, a few startups um, uh, you know, that where I consult in terms of their marketing and content strategy. That, in a way, has played a bit of role, uh, actually a significant role in creating a lot of the other entities that I've, I've built over the past. So things like Plantic or, or Dogbog, um, which are very media-focused. Um, a few other things as well around music. This is something I'm working on, on my own podcast and YouTube channel. So these are all different kind of pockets of interest that I have um, along a broad spectrum a spectrum of, of things that I'm, I'm doing at the moment. So, yeah, so, so right now, those are the main main things that, that, that I've been working. Obviously, COVID didn't, didn't help a lot of lot of the situations because we had, you know, as, as does everyone um, in this situation, had different plans. But, yeah, mostly, mostly creative work around that. I also do freelance video production as well. I wouldn't call it freelance, to be fair. I would say it's mostly just producing producing interesting mm. videos and stuff. And that's something, you know, you and I, like, like I said, is, we are, we're working on producing a documentary or a mini documentary. So things like that are in the horizon as well. The, um, what you said, the shiny bolt syndrome, I completely, I, I have the same issues. How, yes. how have you learned to say no? I don't think I have learned to say no just just yet as much as I, I would like to. What I've been trying to do is, you know, like I've been trying to pick and choose certain areas like dropping uh, or picking them or dropping them because you know things as, as you grow older you need to start taking decisions that impact your career and your family and your life and things like that and I think I'm at the point where it's not detrimental just yet but I can feel that I need to start making some decisions with some of the things that I'm doing so I'm learning to tackle that you know project by project like if i do see a shiny ball i'd be like so tempted to, to just play with it but i'll be like okay you know what maybe i'll think about it like does it align with my goals for this year does it align with my financial goals my career goals my creative goals um essentially you know uh, 
a lot of the stuff I started out as was, was basically hobbies, um, but now they've turned into um, somewhat of a, a financial stream. But my goal is to turn them into enough so that that can replace me, you know, consulting. I love consulting up to startups and business and stuff, but I would rather have my creative projects take over um, down the path. So, so that's something I'm, I'm working towards. Yeah, that's, um, you know, there's one school of thought that, you know, that says that you can make, if you can make your passions into your career, then, you know, you'd be super happy. But then there's another school of thought that says, you know, if you turn your passion into a job, then you won't really enjoy yeah. it as much. Yeah. So I'm, yeah not sure, I'm not sure which one I, I'm not sure which one I agree with. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I think you just got to do both and see what, what resonates with you personally. I don't think there's one size fits all. Otherwise, we'd all be part of a, you know, of the same of doing the same things um yeah. so i think yeah it's just more about trying it out and, and, and see what, what fits yeah yeah and i think we've spoke or talked about this is even bony like i, I i've i've worked in finance financial services for almost mm. 13 14 years and i always say i i hated it and it was you know soul crushing but you know it also afforded me the opportunity to take a year off and you know work Right. do the stuff for bony and travel mm. so mm. it you know it, so there was, there's a payoff there's some, yeah. yeah there's a payoff for it and no no I, I, and that's what i was thinking as well like i think it's it's a very common thing for a lot of a lot of us where we started off with something else and then we had this need or, or a knack for for fulfilling our, our needs and that's why you know through my podcast as well when i interviewed a lot of these creatives um most of them were like, you know, like you, you, this is something you just have to face. And especially in Bangladesh where, or in the brown, you know, um, culture and Asian society, um, you really wouldn't be given a free pass to try your creative, creative on the viewers. And, and that's something, you know, I was saying to all of the guests as well, that until school ends, all, everything creative is school, like, like by parents, like they'll be like, yep, my go on and sing go on and paint and do this and do that but as soon as school finishes all of that is kind of you know in the back end like that's it you have to not focus mm. on studies like you know pick a career with the big four you know things like that but but if you're, you're quite interesting as well so so you were in financial advising things like that um do you still you know want to continue doing that or, or how do you kind of you know navigate around that that side of things well, you know, I came back and uh, to to the U.S. And I mean, I think most likely I'll have to go back, and but I'm trying to find roles that aren't as as hardcore. So I was in legal and compliance, so I'm trying to find uh, roles that aren't highly regulated because that's what makes it stressful. So banks are very obviously, you know, banks are highly regulated, broker dealers. So I'm trying to find a, uh, a role in legal and compliance because that's where my experience is, and that's where I'm, you know, that's where I'm gonna get the calls from. So I'm trying yeah. to find uh, a role that's that's not like super highly regulated, so that I'll still yeah. probably, I'll, it'll, you know, it's, it'll be it'll be enjoyable um, because uh, banks are just, you know, banks are just not, you know, you're just, a, you know, especially if you work for a large bank. Um, you know, with fifty thousand employees, I mean, you're just literally, a, you know, you're a number and I, it's just not a, I, you know, I would love yeah. to get into a startup, um, a small startup, something like that, but we'll see. I mean, I have, I have, I'm working on a few things, but I think, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I'm trying to approach it like, okay, you know, it's a job and it'll afford me to yes. do other things that I want to do. Correct. 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 
and are you looking to like navigate into the the whole part where you want that other things to become your job like or are you just like okay you know what i'll kind of you know do both because this one ensures the financial side of things and that one ensures my my creative or passion you know passions yeah i mean i i I don't think i'll find a job that will allow me to be creative in a sense like bony allows me to be creative that will pay me enough like i just don't think that'll happen i'll have to if i want to go and start doing something like you know, in the really creative space, I would literally probably have to start from the bottom, you know, like an analyst, you know, analyst level or, you know, intern. Right. Like I don't, right. so that's, you know, that's the, um, that, so that's the, that's the conundrum there. But I mean, let's see. I mean, well, maybe I'll find, I'll find like some sort of uh, mm. like said, a middle ground. But yeah. So yeah, I think you just turned into the podcast shows because you're used to doing podcasts. <laughs> so you're interviewing me. Um, well, I think I, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's something, um, yeah, it just, it, that's part of, you know, having the conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I, 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 how did you get involved with TalkBug? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. So with TalkBug, it's interesting, again, yeah, this is, so this is something I do that is, I just give out compliments, right? So, so if, and this is in a way, you know, I don't know if you know, but it's also kind of the way we kind of got in touch as well. I just yeah. DM the hell yeah. out of people where yeah. if there's, you know, if there's something cool that I see, I'll just leave them a compliment and I'll genuinely mean it. So um, I'll be, I'll reach out and say, Hey, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. And if they you know, respond back, awesome. I'll have a conversation and just, just, you know, to, because I think there's too much, too much, you know, like, like the people who criticize all the time, it's fine to criticize, but they, I don't think they put the same energy in praising someone else either. And I think there's a very lag, you know, big gap of authentic compliment, um, you know, like giving really. And that's something I kind of take, take, take a bit of charge in, in my life. So whenever I see something cool, like a nice video or a nice song or something, I'll reach out to the creator and be like, Hey, you know what? Awesome job. I loved it. Um, it resonated with me. So a few years back, um, I saw this, you know, video, um, and this was the time when things like, you know, BuzzFeed had like those little short listicle style videos, and you also had, um, I think it was um, one of the more serious side of things it was AJ Plus, um, Vox did a few, so it was like quite a bit of, you know, like, like Facebook had this this um, continuous content of of um, very short, informative um, kind of stuff, and obviously in Bangladesh, there's in this is separate discussion but in Bangladesh you don't really lead the way with a lot of these things um you know from a global perspective you kind of follow someone else is doing you know global stuff already um but at this around the same time I see this you know video kind of go not, not by other people sharing on my list about um I think it was about coconuts right like so so what are some of the best things Bangladeshi coconuts are known for or something or like it was very mm random subject but the way the video was made was was very you know polished to an extent um the topic was cool and uh, God, this, this, this sounds like like a cool kind of thing and i reached out to the guys at talk like hey love your videos and stuff and then you know just on the page and they replied back saying hey talk by um this is um uh, and so on so from school so we used to go to the same school together mm. um wow, there were like a few years yeah there were a few years younger than than you know um than i am but they and i'm like oh wow like so you guys done this whole thing like yeah just just a few of us i'm like damn that's just pretty neat to me i was like super proud of, of what they were doing 
And just like a, you know, a couple of days later, they're like, hey, do you have any suggestions for us? And I was like, you know what, I, you know, I think there's a few things you can do. And that's just kind of how it kind of got started, where they um, invited me to, to run um, a few, few sort of things. And, um, you know, just since then, I've just been helping them with strategy and um, building their, their content schedule and stuff. What does TalkBook mean? So I think this this two were uh, two things. So one is the actual sound of horses running. So so, so the galloping, the the mm. sound that that it, yeah. so in in Bangla they say you know like dogbog gore gorachol or something like that, which basically means horses running. Um, the other is the actual sound of the boiling water. So um, oh. if just boil water, you know like the 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 bubbles yeah, yeah, yeah. all over. Um, gotcha. the sound is just you know like dogbog or Korakoro, which I think is, is, that's the, so I don't know why they like, I don't know which one they, I think that they're like, you know, it just the sound was quite um, catchy and it was quite, uh, you know, easy to say out of your mouth. I think. So I think that's what mm. they chose the name. Gotcha. Um, I, I like, uh, I like the stuff you're doing at Plantic. I think uh, mm. soccer and we call it soccer here. I apologize. Yes. Um, no, no, no. On Australia, we call it soccer as well. And that's oh, another thing that, has taken over my identity. Yes, I used to call it football, and now I call it soccer. Now you call it soccer. Um, I so, is football as popular? Is it popular? Is it very popular in Australia? No, not really. Not not as much as I would like. But obviously, you get you know the, the school level, like you know, my nephew and everyone that they play at school. Um, you get the fan base and stuff, and they they have been putting a lot of money into it. Um, so much so that, you know, like uh, last year, Man United came for like 12 days. Um, lots of teams come every year um, off-season just to play some friendlies and raise a profile and stuff. So um, there's some levels, but obviously not as big as the UK or even the US. Like US, I think, is, is quite big in comparison. Oh, really interesting. I would have thought Australia, it was popular in Australia just because it's a commonwealth, right? It is, but it's it's more so, you know, I think cricket is, is uh, and in fact, there's this other version, um, they call it the AFL, just the Australian Football League, just not yeah. the football, the, it's not soccer, but it's, it's footy, which is basically, um, I, I might be butchering it, but it's probably a version of rugby and American football, uh, but it's very local. That's like the number one sport here. And then I think it's cricket. Um, oh wow! So yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, sure. It's just the food is like massive here. How, how do you spell that? Um, so AFL, so Australian Football League, but they just called footy. F W O T Y. Wow, I, I never heard of that. That's so interesting. I mean, we have our version of uh, we have our version of, of football here uh, of American football, and I mean that has nothing to do with soccer at all. It's like completely no, no, different. Of course. It's more it's more rugby ish than. Yes, you know, I, I know for American football, it's, it's quite big, big, you know. Um, obviously, uh, you've got Super Bowl, that's, that's part of the yeah. thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What do you do with Bal- Balantik? What, what, what is this kind of stuff you do? So, I, it's, it's evolved over the years. It's, it's probably one of my more longer, it's, it's, you know, we, we call it our first baby, essentially. Um, just four, there's four of us who didn't know each other. Um, personally, it's funny, it's a funny story, but I knew someone called Majid, um, he had a big kind of impact in, in Bangladesh, uh, in Dhaka's 
football, but not the professional football, but like school underground, like we call it the underground football, just to kind of, you know, give a bit of context. Um, mm. It's essentially like school kids at the time would just uh, make this organization where they would like do tournaments and stuff. And it was like, it was a big cult kind of following where it was like school tournaments and it's all unofficial, right? Like not mandated by the Federation or anything like that. Just kids passionate about football and he was a big he pretty much um you know started that stuff so i knew him through that because i was a player like then at that time with facebook and everything i could see a lot of football like um, topics uh being being you know like lots of interested parties talking about uk you know british football and stuff like that and i saw that there was this need for like a central place where people can kind of go and be a community and you know, like get the news from because there was nothing really other than watching TV or reading newspapers where you could get, you know, like good news from. So based in Bangladesh, and I reached out to him and it's like, you know, do you want to do something about it? Because, you know, you've got some internal knowledge and stuff like that. And it's like, you know what, someone else kind of came to me about it, something similar. Why don't we kind of meet up? And he spoke to someone else. It was like the four of us who haven't really met prior um, in the same room. We probably met just once. And we've decided to, you know, um, start this thing where we um, provide football news and curate football topics. And throughout the years, we've started creating original football content as well. Um, it's it's Bangladeshi, but we are slowly moving towards, you know, um, creating stuff for um, international audiences as well over the last few years. Um, we don't cover Bangladeshi football as much. It's and it's, it's a bit ironic, um, but it's for the Bangladeshi audience, um, a certain um, level of Bangladeshi audience who are very serious about football. So, I, so yeah, I used to create content. I used to, you know, like pretty much run everything along with the three of us back then, where we was just, you know, the four of us back then. Um, some of them uh, since then, you know, like came came on, left, and uh, right now, essentially, we have around 29 people who, who run the show, around 14 different cities. Um, wow. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty insane. Um, so right now, I do more from a strategy and management kind of stuff rather than actually creating content or curating stuff because, you know, we've got a fantastic team um, now who, who do, do it according to the brand. And, and it's, it's, you know, we're really blessed to have, have them on. So. With all this stuff, how, where is, um, you know, profit? Where is that in your in your mind? Like, or is that something that in the forefront, or is that something that you, you say you don't care profit. about? Correct. Right. So basically, in terms of making money, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, is that is that something you think about, or is that something like right? You yeah. No, absolutely. So initially, we didn't really start off as thinking that we we're going to make it into a media company, because um, that's what we term ourselves as, you know, like a like media company. And initially, we didn't really care about it as much. But as we started having, you know, a lot more eyeballs and views and engagement, we we're like, okay, you know, brands were coming to us, um, you know, like big te big telecom um, in Bangladesh, like you know, Bangladesh and Robi and stuff. They started knocking on the doors and saying, hey, you know, like this World Cup coming, do you want to do some sort of campaign and stuff? And we we're like, okay, there's actually a business case for this. Now we have some sources of revenue coming in. However, it's not to the point where it's like a full-fledged, you know, media production company where everything runs around clockwork and we're creating original content every day. Right now, it's, I would say, 80% curation and 20% creation. 
which is why we aren't able to generate as much revenue um, yet. And again, like COVID-19 had a big part to play because we had like a big uh, plan around membership and, and paywalls and stuff like that. But that's something you know, we've, we actually have been actively thinking about because uh, we want to turn this into a full-fledged uh, media company um, by by next year. So so um, we and if we, so right now we make money through sponsors and ad hoc advertisement campaigns and things like that. Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying. What we were saying earlier. It's I mean, if you can take it's again one school of thought is if you can take your passions and make it into a job and have it sustain your lifestyle. Uh, you know that would that's that's ideal. Yeah. And the media company that's been my that's what I've been calling Voni from the beginning. Also, is that absolutely a company? Hundred percent. Um, yeah, and I think that's important that you do because. Um, one thing that we struggled because we started off as a website and then became very popular on Facebook. Um, we became very platform centric. So only on Facebook we were very popular. Um, oh, yeah. but we started diversifying that and people were like, oh, you know, planting is a Facebook page. And we've been really trying to get away from that, um, sentiment where it's like, no, we're not just a page. We're, um, you know, we're a media company. We create content you know, on YouTube, on Instagram and everything. And, and it's our original content is something we want to aim forward. And until we do that on a regular basis, it's going to be difficult to get away from the sentiment. But I think it's important that you start, you know, uh, terming yourself as a media company and start producing content around that. Wow, you guys have a, a large following. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been you know like uh, it's it's more t- so to do with time and experience as well. Um, you know, like this is the longest running thing I've done, so almost nine years. Um, nine years, yeah, actually, this this month, and it's, it's going to be ten next, which is insane to think about it. And only last week, I think we got verified by by Facebook as well, which it doesn't mean a lot per se, but for us, you know, it was kind of a um, kind of like a pat on the back of of just continuing to to do, do this for, for so many years. Um, and we don't really push for numbers that much. We just do our thing um, with some internal targets. Um, and the rest is honestly the community. Um, it's just been fantastic to see the community grow. Wow. Uh, what does that mean to be verified by Facebook? How, do you have to request that or do they just... Uh, yeah. Verify? No, so you, you put your request and then they go through like a vetting process and things like that. Pretty much how you do with Instagram or Twitter where you just, you know, um, I think there's a verification option on, on all these platforms where you apply for verification and then you have to, like, meet certain criteria and, you know, mm. um, get vetted by them and so forth. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Learning a lot, too. Uh, it's uh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> Wait, your family's still in Bangladesh, right? Or are they, do, they have, do they have any um, So, yeah, so actually my family's pretty much here. It's my parents who go back and forth. Um, they, you know, they're, they're, they pretty much migrate to Australia, but then they visit back home, kind of thing. So they moved here and then decided to just go back there. Um, I've got two older brothers, they've got their families as well, just in the same city we are, just 15 minutes away, which is, you know, very much blessed to, to have that um, support system, I guess. Um, um, they're both way older than I am, so my nephews and nieces are, are more like my siblings. If that makes sense. Oh wow! Um, yeah. yeah, and and you know, through through that, I think it's yeah, so just for my parents who were in Bangladesh. Yeah, Australia is uh, an interesting place. I, I that's why I'm, I haven't been to Australia. I've been pretty close to Australia, but not not to Australia. And I, where did you go? Uh, well, for my honeymoon, we went to Tahiti and Bora Bora. 
Oh wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, like, where was it's the like, Philippines? Is it or is it in the? No, no. It's uh, it's in the Pacific Island. It's in the Pacific right, Ocean. Right. Little, but I remember, um, I remember, like, I remember there were a lot of Australians there, and they were like, "Oh, to us, it's like two hours, two and a half hours." Yes. Um. Yes. So, so there were a lot of Australians there. Um. And we were even thinking, like, maybe we should have planned an Australia trip with it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been yeah. cheap. And then recently, I was in Asia, as you know, like I was in Japan, which I don't think is far, and. A lot of Asia, so we actually would actually looked at flights to Australia also, and we were gonna we we probably would have done it if if we didn't come back to the states. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's definitely on my list. COVID nineteen, hopefully, going away soon. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, for sure, it's, it's a place you need to make a trip for sure. Yeah, it, and it's uh, most of the people live on a very small percentage of the of the continent, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, the, the middle is pretty much barren. Uh, you've got some indigenous communities, uh, but other than that, it's very uh, barren. Have you ever gone to the middle? No, no, actually, I haven't um, really, really done much traveling other than just some east coast cities. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would love to sometime. Do they, do, do they have uh, tours or where you can go? Yeah, yeah so, so there's like, this big mountain called the, the Uluru, which is okay. um, a very significant... Um, it's that red mountain you see um, in, in a lot of the tours and pictures and stuff. It's, I think it's bang on in the middle, pretty much. Um, but it's a very significant indi- indigenous um, landmark as well. Um, so I think just hiking and stuff on it isn't permitted as much. Um, but there's still some tours that you can do there. Do the do the indigenous people like what's the relationship with the indigenous people versus just the, the, you know common people for lack of a better word? Do they try to um, con- like do they try to convert them to like or how what's the relationship with them? Is is it hostile? So obviously it's um, obviously it's 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 Australia doesn't have a very good history. Um, it's yeah. not clean at all in comparison, you know, to to. Um, obviously, the, after the settlement, it's it's uh, it's done a lot of um, great, you know, technological advancements and you know, infrastructural advancements and stuff like that. But the history with indigenous people has been you know painted um, over, yeah. over centuries, and um, I think that still has a lot of remaining feelings. Don't see as many indigenous community um, people in like universities or. Um, workplaces as much as you should. So there's something that's you know is, is changing over the, over the last few, you know, over the last decade. Definitely, you know, with around the world as well, people are becoming more accepting, and um, the whole diversity um, diversification is, is an issue. So, um, I, I wouldn't call it hostile. Hostile, where it's, you know, it's just people are just you know um, going to fights every day. But there definitely is um, a bit of tension um, based on the historical basis. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not it, it's not hostile here either with you know Native mm. Americans, but certainly there's tension, and um, mm. and I think what you just said about you know Native Americans certainly not being included in the like upper echelon of society. I mean, that's right. definitely the truth here, um, mm. which is really unfortunate. And there's a lot of it's probably very um, similar uh, to, yeah. to to here as well. Yeah, yeah, and this is like and this is horrible of me, but when I actually thought about indigenous people in Australia, like I thought I, in my head, and this is horrible of me, but I actually thought of people just still like living in the forest. And I thought that was still the case. Like, yeah, you know. but, but I mean, I mean, it is. So, so I wouldn't entirely say that's uh, completely out of the, 
um, realms of possibilities. There is a lot of indigenous communities who, who do live um, in in the outback and, and in certain areas where it's not touched by um, the, the other end end of the society. So there is that, um, but there's also you know in, uh, interaction and. and mixing uh, between between the the communities um as well so so yeah that was an interesting uh, off-topic conversation but i I, yeah. I, I like uh i mean I, li- I like learning about other you know countries and stuff so that was that's interesting yeah. uh what else do you have going on uh what's what's going on in the in the long term long and short term for you um, so long and short term, it's um, short term right now is essentially uh, you know current a few projects at hand with with Plantake. You know we were relaunching the website. Um, there's something I want to start season two of my podcast as well. Um, it's called the State of the Creators, as I mentioned. Um, so you know iTunes, and Spotify, and also on YouTube. So that's something you know I want to start focusing on. And a lot of Australian-based creators this time. Season one was entirely Bangladeshi creators that I know personally and just killing it in in a lot of different areas. I want to do the same for, for Perth and, and hopefully, you know, I don't know what resistance she takes us, but I'm just taking one step at a time. Um, other than that, uh, just this, this other media interview that I'm working on is about the music of, of um, the current new wave of music um, that I'm very proud of uh, with uh, so many artists just coming up with amazing music um, in Bangladesh, outside of Bangladesh in terms of representing, you know, um, themselves as Bangladeshis, um, you know, obviously, you know, Onik Khan and things like that, but um, there's also a whole layer, um, including Onik Khan, where you 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 just listen to all these different genres and different stories, um, and I want to really highlight that, that side of things. So, so that's something I'm working working on as well. And just, you know, keeping up my um, consultancy gigs, um, just, just trying to land, land a couple of projects. And in terms of long-term, I guess I, um, I actually shouldn't use the word, I guess, um, like I really want to create a media entity, something like, like Vox, where it's a full-blown media um, production entity, where it, it focuses on creating journalistic um, social content, where it's focused on um, you know, different aspects of culture, music and um, just culture in itself, um, the internet and things like that. So that's something um, I'm quite passionate about in, in achieving on the line. How are, you, how are you managing, how do you manage your time? Because um, you're like, you sound you're like me, like I think it's a lot of the same things. I just, I sign up for so many things. How, yes. are you, how do you manage your time? So as much as I'd like to say, you know, everything's on calendar and everything's just, you know, perfect. It's, it's not. Um, I'm not a very... Um, organized person as much as I should be to run all these things and that's why while the work is taken care of um, things like my health and sleep and um, is something that I'm foregoing at the moment which is absolutely terrible for the long run of things how many um, hours do you sleep? Um, it's uh, I don't even want to go <laughs> go there but I think I'm averaging 3 hours a night you're right kidding me wow really? yeah 3 to 4 Three to four hours, hours a night, roughly, right now. And it's, what uh, time do you usually go to sleep? And what time do you wake up? Three thirty is when I usually go to sleep, and seven thirty is when I wake up. Uh, it's wow. been like that for the last couple months. Yeah, um, wow. I do try to you know, um, slot in a nap or two, maybe after thirty minutes around the evenings, or after I come back uh, from one of my consultancy gigs. But yeah, it's um, 
I'm, I'm feeling the pressure in terms of my, my body's just about to give up. And uh, I think yeah, I really need to track back. And that's why I need to drop something. I need to drop one of the projects where I'm like, you know what, I can't. Uh, just, just, wow. yeah, the, the opportunity cost is too, too, too much down the line. So. Yeah. I, I, t- I asked that question to a lot of, like, I asked that question to really productive and successful people. I, I get a varying uh, response. I get varying responses. Some people like sleep eight hours, and I don't yeah, know how they're able to do it. And some people and some people do three hours. Um, it's, uh, I mean, a lot of it is also my own issues as well. Like, say, you know, I'll I'll sneak in a game of Warzone with with my school buddies um, yeah. in there uh, for for like an hour or so, um, where I should be sleeping. But it's like, you know, it's um, it's something I'm 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 trying to do do better. Um, you know, eight hours is definitely, you know, I, I felt like I've, I'll go through phases um, where like three or four months I'll be like super disciplined. Like, you know, I'll eat the right stuff. I'll go to the gym. I'll do everything that I need to do and still feel full of energy and still get like 78 hours a night. And then I'll have times like this, you know, like three or four months where it's just burning myself out and just, you know, throwing myself to the ground and trying to try to do what I try to do. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm just trying to still, I'm still learning a lot about myself and learning yeah. to do things better. You know what the thing is also, our body is just amazing at coping. Uh, our body is, is an amazing, it's just built to do things like this because I, you know, I have a friend that just had a baby and she tells me she doesn't sleep at all and she, but she's still able to, she's still able function. to like go to work and function. So I, our body just like, just gets through it and it does it like for women are on a different level man yeah and women are on a different level i agree yeah, yeah yeah if you've seen the birth of a child it's 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 crazy it's it's crazy what they go through what their bodies go through and the whole whole process is just um intense mm. so i wouldn't even categorize you know i would I like, like say even saying that just feels like you know but i had my body yeah. is coping to three hours of sleep um is nothing yeah. compared to i guess you know her who's yeah. just had a baby. So, yeah, yeah. sure. Well, listen, um, it's inspiring everything you're working on. Uh, I'd love for you to come back and talk about other stuff that you're working on um, later on. And uh, it was great talking to you. And I'm looking forward to not just documentary, but anything else, you know, we'll work on together in the future. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, thanks for having me having me on. Um, this is probably, you know, I think my second or third podcast I've been on where I'm not the host. So it also gives me a good opportunity to, you know, to speak about the stuff I'm doing. And obviously you, you're doing great things with Bengalis of New York. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I reached out to you guys and it's great to see the bridge um, that you're, you're building between the, the diaspora and, and Bangladesh. And I think that's the most important work um, that you know people in our position can do is is really connect people. At the end of the day, that's that, that's all we're trying to do with our work, with our art, and everything. Everything at the end of the day. So, no, thanks for having me again, and can't wait to to do our our project together. Um, Absolutely, and get it across the finish line. Looking forward to it. Thanks. With diamonds and pearls, yeah, yeah. Bengal is a New York, all over the world. Uh, it's the bony show. Hey, uh, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live. From the slang we spit to the gangs we with, it doesn't matter. We the essence of the Bangladesh. I say, hey, come on, can you handle this? Representing the boroughs where the bangles live.